favor. This is one more. Hello and welcome to Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. Episodio 50. 50, baby. Let's go. Man, it's a special episode because it is meant for a special guest. Yes. Um, she is a phenomenal singer and she also has performed the national anthems in Spanish and English at the YouTube Stadium before the games against Tigres, Pachuca, and Atlas. Um, did you also play, did the, the national anthem when America played? Um. Would that have been here in Austin mm -hmm. a few years ago? Yeah, you know, it was uh, like... Was it at the Dell? Um, no, nah, it was... Uh, I think America played Monterrey. No, no? then I did okay. Oh, no, no, it was at the Q... At the yeah, the Q2, no, yeah. No, 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 I didn't actually, I didn't do that one, no. But um, before I got to, to do the, the Q2 Austin mm -hmm. gigs, I think the reason I even landed that gig in the first mm -hmm. place is because a few years ago there had been a, a game... It, I believe it was a Pachuca game, mm -hmm. and it was at the Dale Diamond um, Stadium, which okay. is baseball, but they turned it into a soccer field. Right. And so that was already a few years ago before Austin FC even came to life. So um, anyway, and then since I've, I've gotten the opportunity to sing both the the U.S. Um, Star Spangled Banner and then the Himno uh, Nacional Mexicano or Mexican National Anthem at Q2, which has been a really wow. cool experience. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, when I heard it, I, I got goosebumps both times. And um, the beautiful thing about the the game of football is you never you never know the types of things that are you, are gonna come out of it, friendships or in this case, learning of a new artist. So we're happy to have you here. Uh, welcome to Otra Por Favor. Thank you. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah, this podcast we like to focus on football, life, culture, anything that makes our community great. So we're happy to have you on. Thank you. Yes. And um, before we, we, you know, we go into into your life, uh, we want to just do a quick recap of, of Austin FC and what's going on. Right, uh, right, we're right. second place. Uh, we're actually uh, from the third place. We have one more game ahead by, by points. So that puts us in a very good spot. Uh, we're playing Atlanta uh, this like Saturday. And there's about 200 Verdes traveling to Atlanta. So everyone is out there. Shout out. And I know who you guys are. <laughs> Y'all be safe and don't spend too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be an Austin FC fan. Uh, just based on where we were last season to where we're at at the middle of the season now, second place. I don't think any of the pundits had us here. And we're playing a really good at a really good environment in Atlanta. So this is a good chance to... Uh, to continue to push forward and hopefully start to creep on uh, LAFC's first place. Um, last game, what were your thoughts, Richie? Man, it was actually the last two games because they were away. Yeah. And they were the first one was uh, August, uh, June 30th. And we won out of nowhere. <laughs> and we beat Charlotte. And then this the other one was against uh, Colorado. The one thing we have right now is where, you know, we have a couple of players that are injured in the defense and the midfield, and we need, you know, to focus on not getting red cards or yellow cards because that's going to hinder us from having a short uh, squad right now. Right. Danny, Danny Pereira is definitely a, a big offender for having the silly cards, but I think it comes with his youth. He gets he, Once he gets that experience, he'll know how to measure, measure himself a little bit more. Um, my biggest takeaways from these past two games – and. Basically, a lot of the away games 
is how how tenacious the team has been, how they've made huge comebacks, um, not expecting getting that tie, getting that win, playing with men down, being able to overcome injuries. It's incredible to watch, and I think we can look at this Austin FC team and say, this is real, and they have that championship mentality. So I'm excited for this game uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. What do you think, result-wise, what, what are we going to do? I'm going to give it a tie, 1-1. Yeah, I feel like the the team is a bit tired, uh, but then again, they surprised me the last couple of times. <laughs> Fagundes is a beast. So, and then the the last part of the soccer section is Houston Dynamo. They're gonna be playing here, so Achiache might be playing that game. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty big name to come to to Houston, to Austin. Right. Um, right. Big shout out! Big shout out to 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 our our friends or not so much friends in, in uh, Houston <laughs> Houston Dynamo. Getting uh, Ache Ache, a very important uh, Mexican player. Um, but obviously, they don't have the pieces to, to make a, a, a good organization, a good uh, a good team that's going to give us a lot of battle. Hopefully, it's a, it's a good game, but I expect us to come on top of that uh, Dynamo game. And then for my prediction on the Atlanta game, I think it'll be a tie, 2-2. Okay. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, they surprise us. Austin FC has been surprising me every every game. Right. Mostly for the good, sometimes for the bad. I know. Uh, this last one, shout out to Gallagher. Gallagher, he oh, yeah. played an amazing game, and he's, to me, one of the most improved players. Have you watched any of the games lately, Leslie? Um, I watched the last game that I sang at, okay. and we actually lost, but it was a friendly. Yes. Friendly. <laughs> no, actually, when when that game, that, they were going through a bit of a rut. Right. That was a horrible month, I believe, of uh, May. May. Yeah. It was the beginning of a of a, a bad string of of, uh, of results, but man, they turned that shit around. <laughs> no, it, it's so the the funny thing is, uh, you can like usually I'm in the back, you know, behind the goals, and you can see the players' reactions and their faces, and also the the like the people. So Lamur guys are going at it, and we get scored on like the first minute of the game, and then everybody's like, "Oh, oh. and then like we get scored. <laughs> So everybody's reaction is like, oh, lay. It's like, all right, guys, you know, get louder, get louder. And then like, yeah, and like, you know, dale, 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 ATX. And then you hear, you see the second goal come through and they're like, dale, ATX. It dolió. It dolió. And you see Stubers. Stubers is always looking at the fans and he's yeah. like, God, then I feel like like crap because they give so much to the team, <laughs> right, like the right. fans. So Stuber looks at him and he's like, I'm sorry, guys. So you can yeah. see that looking down. but Yeah. Well, from the from the audience perspective, you couldn't possibly think that Austin FC is ever losing. Whenever you hear La Murga, oh man, <laughs> not no stop. matter what, no matter what the score is, no matter how well or not well the team is doing, they're always giving it their best. So, shout out to my my all the Murga out there, you know. Yeah. So we 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 know that perspective of singing and chanting. Twenty mm-hmm. k plus people at at the at the players towards this spectacle that's happening that's our perspective as fans Mm -hmm. what i'm interested in knowing is leslie your perspective as an artist coming and singing the national anthem basically or performing anywhere what is it like in that moment in that arena where wherever it is performing being the only one there and out to hundreds thousands of fans what is that like what does that feel like well again i've done it three times now and the first time, it was nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> first time I was, you know, 
first of all, thank goodness I get to do a, a little sound check time. <laughs> because, That's good. Um, because the the uh, echo in in the studio is unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. just obviously very very big stadium, but um, you know, it's as far as the the moment. I feel like just like with any gig I ever do, I just try to feel the the words and the emotion and mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm performing. And when it comes to the national anthems, again, you know, um, being able to perform both the, the Star Spangled Banner and the Himno Nacional Mexicano is just such a huge honor. Uh, just because, again, um, you know, I, I'll go a little bit more into my background, but I was born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, moved to, to Texas age 16. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my whole elementary uh, middle school years i uh, back in mexico i got to compete uh, in our own little version of choir mm-hmm. in a public school in in mexico mm-hmm. um, what our choir looks like is basically a bunch of students rehearsing the himno nacional mm-hmm. um, just to go compete against other schools and my mom used to be the teacher for the choir which again it's all very informal um very low budget, <laughs> not a whole lot of support for uh, academics yeah. uh, or uh, extracurricular, right. um, you know, in, in, in the public school system in Mexico. But um, that was kind of my, my upbringing. I, I know uh, the, the Himno Nacional mm-hmm. by heart. In fact, I know all four stanzas, not just the one that oh, I get to say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, fast forward to... Um, uh, being in high school in, in, in Texas, and I actually got to sing the Star Spangled Banner uh, in my uh, high school graduation. Okay. Um, and so I think that that would have been uh, my first experience, you know, doing that and, and um, you know, uh, just getting to do it in front of that many people at the stadium. I mean, it's obviously a huge honor. It, it always makes me think back on mm-hmm. the first time that I ever got to do the Star Spangled Banner and then, you know, just growing up singing the... the um, Himno Nacional in Mexico, it's such a, again, just the passion and, and, and being able to represent both of my countries. I think it's just such a big opportunity. And, and honestly, just with the reaction from, from the crowd that I've, I've gotten, um, not just in the moment, but even just kind of walking out of the stadium and, and walking around, just hearing people mention how they felt both of the anthems deep in their heart. Right. And, um, and, you know, even the people who maybe were just American or the people who were just Mexican, just uh, feeling the anthems and, and understanding that there's so much emotion and that you can connect to two different countries. And mm-hmm. and it's it's okay. It's okay to do both. Right. Right. Because we both, I mean, we pretty much, as Mexicans that live here, uh, we both feel both countries. Like, we both have love for them. And, like, for me, is whenever I say, like, I heard both, like for me, I sing both anthems because I grew up. I was born in Mexico, but I I grew up in America. Um, so, just being able to sing both of those anthems and have the same passion for both of you know the countries is because you know it. We're here, like you know we it, you know we have so many experiences, so many life situations where ups downs. We appreciate both countries. Uh, so I almost dropped a tear on the on the Tigres game. Yeah, I was I was a bit tipsy, and I was with my wife, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> but and I would say like I it, it, I probably was not the only one because I saw several people just going like this, and it's just <laughs> this the emotion and how you delivered like the anthems, and they're very hard because I've known of other 
artists that sing a cappella, even like in Mexico, they do the Inu Nacional, and they they get nervous and they mess up. But and like I saw, like you were just you went at it, like you didn't think about it. You just you know like go, you just went to town, like we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, I think it always comes back to just again just doing it from the heart and, mm-hmm. and not even thinking about whether people like it or not. Ultimately, just giving it my best. And I think that's always worked because, again, from the uh, Tigres game all the way to the last one. Was the last one Pachuca? I'm sorry. Pachuca, yeah. yeah. Pachuca was uh, the last one. Uh, uh, Shout yeah. out Pachuca. <laughs> <laughs> they, they beat us hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, all, all three three matches, again, I've, I've gotten to see the reaction from the crowd and then just walking around afterwards. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had fans come up to me and basically shed a tear and tell me how it just touched them and and again that means so much to me but ultimately it's it's all about the emotion that people feel in the moment and then um hopefully it's a moment that they'll they'll keep in their memories i'm pretty sure you you build a memory like in the stadium like there's 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 a picture i'm pretty sure later on in the museum of uh, you know the Q2 Stadium or whatever name will be in the future, you're, there's going to be a picture of you, you know, like the first performance of two anthems by this one, you know, great artist. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I really hope so. Um, that will be a huge honor. But something that's really funny is that, of course, I'm born and in, in, raised in Monterrey. And whenever it just so happened that the first match I was going to was gonna sing uh, was Tigres. Oh, the Tigres match. And, and so yeah. I grew up very close to the Rayados Stadium, so <laughs> mm. uh, rivals, big time, wow. hometown rivals, wow. and uh, and so it's um, again. I, honestly, I never went one way or the other. I'm cool with whoever's winning. I always, I always neutral. cheer for the for the winning team. So, yeah. Um, uh, but, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's funny because whenever I you know went public with it, and I posted on social media. I had my typical friends who were like big Rayados <clears throat> fans. Oh yeah, like, they probably gave you a little bit of you? slander. You know, like, how dare you? I'm just <laughs> kidding. So proud of you. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's such a cool, such a cool thing. Again, just being at a, not only getting to sing the both of the anthems, but the fact that both of the teams were in my hometown. <laughs> that was just mind blowing. I yeah. think it just all in all, I think that's probably what helped me deliver an even more emotional performance because it always goes back to your bringing in your roots and and you do utilize those memories um, and your experiences to and put that into your performance. That's I think it's inevitable. Um. So before we, you know, we we want to talk more about the living or growing up in Monterrey. Uh, how was life for you in in that time uh, as you were, you know, in the Coro? Like, what was your childhood like? Um, fantastic. If if I should um, brag a little bit, okay. Uh, I I, yeah. I feel like you know, growing up in the nineties in 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 Monterrey was. Just such a great experience. I, I come from a, a big family. Um, my mom has ten siblings, so oh. tons of cousins. Very tight knit. Your grandparents were busy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they were, um, <laughs> <laughs> but tons of kids. And um, and I actually, I, you know, grew up very closely to my grandparents as well. I mm. Told you I w- I lived nearby the the Rayados Stadium, so that was my abuelito's house. Mm. I lived um, with my grandparents and my mom after my my parents split up. Um, we, my siblings, I have a brother and a sister, so mm-hmm. my siblings mm-hmm. and my mom, 
um, and I lived with my grandparents. And then we also had another tia and another tío living at my abuelito's house. So it was just a family all the time. And then just the fact that we were right there in the middle of it, we would have our cousins come out and, and just mingle all the time. And we also got to just hang out with like the neighborhood kids and be outside and and run around free. I mean, yeah. something that a lot of people don't get to do that uh, right. these days. Less and less now. Less and less. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, I had a very happy upbringing with just surrounded by family. And and, um, and I was always in love with school. I was a nerd who was like, <laughs> I'm feeling Unashamed really sick today, nerd. but I am going to school. And my mom will be like, please take a break. You don't <laughs> have to go to school today. I'd be like, no, I'm going. I'm going to school. Um, uh you, just, you know, I always kind of uh, did well in school. That was my thing. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and I was always a favorite child, even though uh, <laughs> my mom just wanted to get it. <laughs> Were you the type of uh, the student that every time the teacher will forget about the assignment that God was due that day? You'd be like, uh, mister, you forget about this assignment. <laughs> no, uh, teachers in Mexico don't miss a thing. They yeah. do not forget about the True. assignments. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I just, you know, I feel like, for me, um, just having that background and mm-hmm. in, in just that very tight knit community and family and network of, of friends um, was just such a strong foundation to what was to come later on. Because the the reason I even ended up uh, moving to the states was because I was uh, so my my dad is a dual citizen, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, my so my siblings and I were looking to you know process our paperwork so we can also become. Uh, dual citizens and um and in in that process that you know i had my whole life figured out okay you know i'm gonna go to college in, in monterrey and take the monterrey Tech. and i already had a, a life plan and and you know i was 16 at the time and when you're 16 you think you have your life <laughs> you have figured it all out. figured out yeah um <laughs> and then i i ended up uh moving to mccallan down in the valley um Go nine five six, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and and that's how I I ended up in Texas because my dad lived in in the valley, so I um, moved moved to the valley, um, and my plans changed completely. I um, ended up going to high school here and getting uh, really great opportunities. So uh, I ended up in Austin uh, because I went to UT Austin. So um, I moved here know. for college and uh, hook them horns. Hook them. Okay. Hey, fellow yeah, yeah. Longhorn over here too. <laughs> That's great. Great yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you What did you study at UT? Uh, public relations. Public relations. Yeah. That's awesome. Not n- a non music major, but right. but fun story. You know, always tying it back to music um, and culture. Really, is mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I was taking this. Um, a classical guitar elective class mm-hmm. and the the teacher uh, approached me at some point and was like hey leslie do you do you like singing and i was like yeah i actually sing i don't really play and um and he was like okay well what about trying out mariachi and i was mind blown i mean what do you mean mariachi mm-hmm. in high school mm-hmm. uh <laughs> you know i was fresh off of mexico and I'd never heard of such a thing, having mariachi as an extracurricular activity in the U.S. And And so, um, honestly, it was just, it opened this whole gate to a lot of things that I didn't even know existed. So Mm -hmm. um, I showed up to practice one day, and I decided that I loved it, and I kept doing it since. So by the time I uh, graduated high school and then moved to Austin and went to UT, I also joined the UT Mariachi Ensemble. So I kept going with it. That's incredible. That's a great story. Um, 
I have a lot of respect for for the 956 area for their um you know respect for mariachi music and how how mm. how ingrained it is to the communities there i was uh telling leslie before the podcast that i have a couple of uh younger cousins that are in mariachi and throughout the whole system and it kind of opened my eyes to how much this entire segment of of texas really focuses on on community and well that type of cultural musical representation that that maybe if you didn't know it, it would surprise you for sure. But we've actually had another guest here too from the nine five six area, Max. also a musician. So it makes me kind of curious. Like, do you think there's something about the area that 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 um, the music plays an important role in communities and and especially young education? I would say, uh, in my personal experience, um, the valley is very small. Right. Or at least uh, <laughs> when I lived in the valley. Compared to Monterrey. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a shock. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Yeah, the moving from the, the big, big metro city of Monterrey and then arriving in, in the tiny little valley. And I wasn't a stranger to the valley because I actually grew up, um, you know, I mentioned that my parents split up and my dad lived in McAllen. Mm -hmm. So my mm -hmm. whole childhood, we would visit him uh, maybe once or twice a year. And so we would uh, cross the border and, and, and just kind of spend a week or whatever, you know, but it was never really um, the same, of course. Like, you visit a place, and mm -hmm. then you live there, and it's a whole different experience. So it really was a small a small place for me, and, and mariachi really, I feel, was a really good way for for my not only my own entertainment but i was growing and learning so much and i wonder um how many students take advantage of those resources that are available to the public school system where mm -hmm. you get to engage in an extracurricular activity and um, especially again coming from mexico where the resources in schools are not the same mm -hmm. i think it and and you know you, you probably already have heard this but you go to the valley and majority of people a good chunk of people have some sort of ties to mexico some of them lived in mexico yep. some of them yep. were born and raised in mexico and they go back and forth and i think we that experience helps us understand some of the things that we may lack back in mexico mm -hmm. and then uh therefore really take advantage of the opportunities that we are presented living in this beautiful country where there are so many resources and and just so many more doors that can lead to to great careers or futures and ultimately i would say in my experience again just not necessarily that there's something special about the valley i'm not saying the valley is not special but <laughs> uh but i think when it comes to to um just pursuing the arts or any kind of passion mm -hmm. i think it's a way to just find out who you are and also stay focused mm -hmm. and and kind of persevere in a lot of the kids who might, you know, be um, immigrants might already have that mindset that, hey, I didn't come here to just, you know, uh, be mediocre. I mean, I want to do something with yeah. my life and, and I'm going to find a way to do it. Again, for me, it felt almost serendipitous that I had no clue that joining this um, uh, guitar class was going to lead me to mariachi music. But, you know, just opening those doors, uh, you never know where it's going to take you. Um, so as you're diving into going into, you know, places where you get open doors and opportunities, um, the language barrier, how was, how did you overcome that, that part of knowing a new language and also maybe even singing songs in English? 
It's funny that you even phrase it that way because when I arrived in Texas, I knew maybe the numbers from one through 10, um, ABC and the colors. And that was about my uh, extent of uh, English language. I was very raw. And in fact, my siblings love making fun of me of how I was a very shy, believe it or not, I was a very shy child. Like when I was Mm -hmm. young and growing up, I was just more timid and I was petrified or of even attempting to speak a word of English. It just, I just couldn't get myself to do it. Um, my sister would go all out and she would pretend like she knew English, like a pro and me, I would just hide in the corner. And, and, um, I had, you know, family who lived in Texas and one uncle specifically who lives in Dallas, he had, um, married this woman who was American and she was full English speaking. And whenever she could, would come out to Monterey and, um, she would just try to talk to us. I would just like freeze in the corner and my, my family would be like, what's wrong with you? Like, just say something. You start thinking you're like a pollito chicken, gallina hand. Pretty much. So, so anyway, um, I would say that, um, one of the ways that I was able to even learn the language was through music, ironically, because, uh, again, as a 90s, 90s child, I loved Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And of oh, course, the best. And, of course, the, the Backstreet Boys and all the boy bands of the oh, 90s. Yes. Um, but, but I would say, you know, as a kid, I would just sing, you know, oops, I didn't again. I had no clue what I was singing. Yeah. I had no clue what the <laughs> words were. I was just pretending to know. Right. And, 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 then eventually, you know, growing up, I started thinking about like, wait, what is it that that song says? And then I would go back and read the lyrics and be like, oh, okay, let me translate this and see what I was singing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the ways where I started learning the language, ironically, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, looking up lyrics and figuring out what they even were and translating them. But but the way that I really immersed myself in, in the language was going to school and um, again, going back to how the Valley is so prominently Spanish speaking and like, you know, the the culture of Mexico is just so prominent. Right. I had to ask people around me to not even speak to me in, in Spanish. Like just speak to just me speak in English. English. English so yeah. that kind I of can, fully immerse yourself. Yeah, yeah, wow. so that I can practice it more. And in at home, I tried to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, with my dad, I also had aunts and uncles who lived in, in, in McAllen. So okay. that's really how I, I immerse myself. But I would say through music and then, of course, just kind of um, just – reading as much as I could and, and making myself do it. That really was a way to do it. How long did it take you? Like you felt like, okay, after maybe a year or so you felt comfortable. How was that process for you? You know, it's funny because I don't necessarily know that I have like a turning point when I'm like, oh, okay, this is it. This is when I feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. It. I feel like it took maybe a few months for me to start getting in the rhythm. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if, if it has anything to do with it, but I feel like maybe even having a musical ear, uh, might have helped me learn the language a little bit better too because I phonetically like I I could understand the sounds and I could kind of process them mm-hmm. um but again just you know I remember it's funny because now I I can look back and I watch this video I was valedictorian of my tiny little high school in the <laughs> valley and um and I got to like do a speech and it's crazy because you know, my English was at a very different level back then than it is now. And again, I felt completely comfortable doing it back then, um, even though it was just like two years into, you know, immersing myself in the culture. But it was definitely a shock. I mean, I'm not going to lie, like it really took some hard work and, and just, you know, applying myself and some discipline. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about how 
very quickly you adapted from 16 to valedictorian to give it in a speech in English to just fully kind of immersing yourself into this maybe culture you were fam- more or less familiar with in a com- in a setting that was uh, very welcoming, very tied to the to the Mexican heritage, but at the same time, you know, you really pushed yourself to do it. And I think um, hearing that versus the stories of your childhood where you were hiding in a corner, it's like at some point you flipped it. I don't know yeah. how slow or how quick it was, but it's incredible to hear. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, part of the reason I moved, you know, I was looking to get my dual citizenship. I also needed, I knew I needed to learn mm-hmm. English. It was going to be a, a great life skill anyway. So right, right. it was one of my objectives. And I think it just took me getting over my fears and telling myself it's fine. You know, everybody around around here knows you're trying. That's really what matters. And I think that's that's how I, I ended up getting down to it. So it's funny because now people tell me, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, if you ever want to learn a language, just lose your fears and immerse yourself. And and if you really want to learn it and become fluent, you have to live in that language. I mean, that's the only way to right. think about it. And I think that can be said about yeah. if you want to learn anything. 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 Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, so the, the, the reason why, like, say it's important because a lot of, you know, Mexicans that come to America – they get super comfortable with this art of oh we have we speak Spanish here so much I don't have to learn English right especially if they're in a in a cultural bubble right like right. in cities like Houston Dallas or in this case in the Valley or wherever mm-hmm. right and then there's cases of people that have been here for forty years and they're American citizens and they still don't know English and I'm like for me it's kind of like how can you be in a country for twenty something years and you're still like don't know how to like speak English it's not even to to like say to be a, a, like a, like a thing where you, it's a bragging right or it's something that, that, uh, te quieres mucho, because we always have that, you know, that thing in Spanish and in Mexico, especially, oh, te quieres mucho porque hablas inglés. But it's a thing where, like, you need it because you're here. I mean, it helps you, like, just learn how to communicate with other people in, in, in America because other cultures are learning English, especially at, at an older age. And, like, I think with us, sometimes we want to sit back. And be comfortable in our own bubble and not come out of it for for the same reason. But I commend you for the fact that you you decided to immerse yourself and learn about it. I'm pretty sure it was pretty pretty you know tough at first, especially being shy. But then as you got older, it, it you know it got better. So that's good. Yeah. No. Thank you for that. And I would say, uh, you know, I I I think that everybody goes through different uh, life situations, mm-hmm. and and ultimately. I, I'm with you that 100%, you know, learning a, a new language, whatever language it is, is always going to be good for you. Um, but I think one of the barriers that our, our communities, you know, immigrant communities might face is just depending on, again, what that family situation is. But we do have a lot of families who are immigrants who mm-hmm. come here to start a new life and they don't even have time to do anything other right. than go to work. And right. all they can do is get straight to work. Um, you know, w- very long, long days of, of working and then right back to coming back home to, uh, you know, spouse or kids and taking care of the home. So I feel like, uh, you know, it, it, again, I was very fortunate that I was able to come into a situation where I was going to school and, and, you know, I had that family support and, I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, working mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or spending a lot of my time doing something something that would prevent me from learning. So yeah, I I agree. You know, there's there's hopefully um, everybody that gets presented with the opportunity to learn the the language Fine. or any skill will will take it. But 
yeah, I, I do I do believe that everybody's situations are, are different and that will always play a role. Right. And I think, like, say, for me, is if you learn English, um, that's going to help you get a, get in a, from the situations where you have to work harder. It's going to help you because of knowing how to communicate, you might be able to, to get more managerial positions, you know, situations where you don't have to be the one working, you know, in the sun all the time, maybe – you get to be more clerical, more administrative, because um, there's opportunities, and I really hope everyone like that that comes is able to to just like, take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well said, Rich. I mean, um, I see it all the time in in, in what I do construction. I, yeah. yeah, general general contracting construction. Um, a lot of guys, uh, uh, solely Spanish speakers, have incredible knowledge in their craft, and the only thing holding them back is just a language. They learn if they if they were to learn English, they can, they can get those mm-hmm. those kind of leadership roles, and it's just waiting for them. But like like you said, it's all about situational things. You know, not everyone has that time, or or just they're in that place in their life where they're open or ha- can give themselves that that time to learn. But um, I wanted to touch a little bit on how you moved forward. You you ended up valedictorian your high school. You went to UT uh, for PR, and then. How, when did this this musical career? How did that start up? <laughs> well, I, I, again, I keep talking about mariachi music, and I think that would really be the the segue. I've been singing since I was, I don't know, four since I was in kindergarten. I mean, um, you know, going back to growing up in Mexico, and and really my my first singing experiences happened in school and mm-hmm. in kindergarten just singing um for you know the assemblias you know the school assemblies and right. people would just gather and and it would be you know come on leslie do do your thing, your and, thing. and that would uh, you know sing for us, sing for <laughs> us. And, and um and then of course you would have the the assembleas in like around november when it's uh oh, la revolucion yeah. mexicana mm-hmm. and so you would have the whole school dressed up in there. 20 de noviembre. 20 de noviembre. You have the whole school dressed up in their little revolucionario or revolucionaria outfit. And so, of course, I had my little, you know, my my skirt and my huaraches and my white top and trenzas, of course. Um, and, 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 you know, um, that's really how I got started. I just sang everywhere I would go. And, and my first song I ever learned was a, a traditional Mexican polka um called Atotonilco, and my, my grandma, my abuelita, taught me okay. how to mm-hmm. sing that song. And, and my, my I do have song uh, or music in my blood. Um, just, you know, both of my, my parents are good musicians. Uh, nobody really in my family does it professionally, but everybody would just pop out an instrument and play at family gatherings, just wow. bring out the whatever the maracas or if if you didn't have a huacharaca you would pull out the the notebook with like the spiral and then a pen and then just go i mean whatever you find (laughs) for an instrument goes um and and so yeah my family just really loves music there would be guitars here and there and and i think from from there you know just getting exposed to it in school but moving you know going into into present time that experience of um, getting introduced to mariachi music, and okay. especially when I arrived in Austin, and and I started um, playing around town with the with the UT mariachi, but also we got uh, opportunities to record um, a couple of of mm-hmm. you know songs for a project through the Butler School of Music, and and you know that got me some exposure to meeting some producers and mm-hmm. and local um, just local music team players, and and. 
again, you know, once I graduated college, um, that's when I started thinking about, you know, what what the next steps are. And and just that's really when um, I, again, with a lot of support from my local community and and friends and family, just started kind of going into writing because that wasn't really a thing that I did. Um, and I started writing my own stuff and, and then just, you know, began recording and I've put out a couple of EPs, um, five, six songs. And, and then, um, um, finally I'm, I'm looking towards, uh, releasing my first full length album. So, wow. yeah, that's exciting. Nice. Yeah. It's, that's it's, exciting. It's been a fun road. Man, your, your, your family sounds wonderful. I, I can just picture myself being at that party and like having to grab something to join the, join the, uh, the song and the music, um. It I'm was actually. A lot of fun, yeah. I'm curious, like what what were what were a lot of the musical influences growing up um, that you would hear a lot. I know you speak a lot about mariachi music, but <clears throat> were there other artists or, or songs or genres that that you can recall? Yeah, again, pop music was really big, and ironically, <laughs> American pop music. American too, pop music is huge. Because it's global. <laughs> it's global, but yeah. also when you live in the in the border with the oh, U.S. Course, and you course. know, in, in northern Mexico and Monterrey, you know, it's less than three hours from the border with Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much crossover and, and, you know, culturally speaking there, there was definitely a lot of American pop music playing um, and continues to be on the radio. And, and then of course, you know, having an older sister who also listened to that in my, mm-hmm. my cousins who were super into NSYNC. I mean, it was just kind of an inevitable um, experience for me, but, right. but then, you know, you would laugh because I would get in, if you would have gotten in the car with my mom back in the 90s, she would be playing complete opposite. You know, she would have like Juan Gabriel and Rocio Durcal playing. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, she she loved the carpenters of all, you know, musicians. Yeah. And she she was so into Shania Twain. So really, wow. there was, <laughs> there was so <laughs> many, varied. there's so many different genres and, and influences that yeah. were happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, of course, Mexican pop music as well. Um, you know, uh, there was, uh, you know, Sin Bandera and there was Hash and all of these, you know, great musicians and singers that sure. um, were all uh, really great inspirations. And again, um, ultimately, I've the thing that I've been, you know, as, as I reminisce on, you know, what my influences are, it always goes back to pop music and mariachi music and, and wow. really kind of bringing those two together is something that I have been looking um, forward to. And, and I think with this new record that I'm going to be putting out, um, I, I finally achieve, achieve that. And so I'm it, really excited about it. It's uh, like, say what, when it comes to like, like Spanish, like say uh, pop in the nineties or, or like either late nineties or early two thousands, I feel like that genre of music in English and Spanish is going to always, it's going to stay forever. Like, because I grew up with Onda Vaselina, Cava, and then I moved here. Hush was coming out. Sin Bandera was just starting to, you know, to, to sing. Uh, Elefante, Rayleigh was there. Mm-hmm. And they had like just the Spanish way of singing was just completely different to the past. Like they, they had changed like the, the industry and how they, they, you know, they were performing. Um, and then in English, like the Backstreet Boys, that was something that, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people got to like learn English through through them. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm pretty sure it would be like sometimes the pronunciation, like for me, because uh, I, when I moved to Mexico, uh, I already knew English. So I would hear people that don't speak English, not say anything in English. However, whenever they were singing those songs, it was like, 
Dang, you sound like you know English. You're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all. That's always been one of my curiosities about about music mm -hmm. when it's like in different languages because you you see a lot of uh, English artists that, that sing in English. They do a Spanish song, and you're like, wow, you sing that really nicely, like almost like you speak it. Um, which I don't know if you if you can know any of that or can touch on that, but uh, I feel like even if you don't know a language, but if you push yourself to sing something. It's it, it, it phonetically comes a little easier, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of my biggest musical idols is Linda Ronstadt. And so um, she didn't speak a word of Spanish. Yeah. But she, uh, you know, towards the end of her very great career um, and very musically diverse career, towards the end, she got to record a mariachi album. Yeah. And so... That is one of the best mariachi albums out there. Uh, and, and I believe it's the best-selling Spanish-language album in the United States wow. ever. Oh, okay. uh, I have no idea. And, and this album is called Canciones de Mi Padre. And so uh, Linda didn't speak a word of, of Spanish, mm -hmm. but that record is superb. And she put her whole heart into it. And, of course, she worked with a fantastic uh, team of you know mariachi musicians and, mm -hmm. and producers and of course she had she had the the team to back her up with it but I know that you know just kind of being a, a fan and doing my research I've I've uh, learned that she really wanted to immerse herself in it and and asked um, her musical director to work closely with her to make sure she was pronouncing things correctly as she was recording and then she took that record um, on tour as well. Yeah. And she sold out her tour around wow. the country. That's and, incredible. And, and the performances are unbelievable, as good as anything that she had done um, in her career as a pop star and a rock star and a country star before that. So um, absolutely, I think as long as you get your mind into it and, and your heart really it, into whatever you do, it will come out great. And I think one thing, like, from what it sounds like, she had respect for the language. Um, instead of like, ah, oh, I'm going to do it my way. And not really worry about the pronunciation, but having someone like, hey, this is how you say it in Spanish in a certain way, in a certain tone. That pretty much had a lot to do with not just the song itself, but also the delivery of the song. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, she grew up listening to it. And, and her, her dad was Mexican and, and mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. would sing these songs um, with his guitar when she was little. So she was exposed to it, but um, she didn't really learn to speak the language, which I know um, a lot of people are familiar with that situation where their families, you know, might be Hispanic and they don't really get the opportunity to learn the language, maybe because of fears of, you know, being ostracized right. um, or being othered. Um, but, but really, again, just tying it all back together, I think just the learning of the importance, especially in the 21st century where we get the great opportunities that we do of, you know, just speaking up and, and being being um, more accepted for, you know, diversity and, right. and inclusion mm -hmm. and uh, just the importance of being bilingual and, and just, you know, getting yourself out there and, and making sure that if you have the opportunity, you learn it and you go for it. Right. I was speaking to, to a friend the other day and um, kind of to your point of diversity and kind of the times we're living in now, um, it feels like Latinos are, are trending. Mexican culture is like hot trending, especially in, in the here in, in the U.S. Or at least um, our communities are more proud and, and maybe just in positions that they they're uh, more comfortable and just more willing to just 
follow their heritage instead of trying to um, assimilate to what is like common Amer- like American culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's special. It's special to hear you. Um, talk about your music, your influences, and your future project kind of joining this pop and this, this mariachi music. I'm really excited to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited to share it with the world when it's time. It, uh, I don't have a date yet, but it's coming um, this ah, fall. Yeah. How so many that, songs are you doing in the album? 12? Uh, it is 12 songs. You okay. guessed. How uh, did you guess? I that? think I heard it earlier. But then, like, <laughs> I, I have selective memory. I, I do not believe I mentioned that. So oh. you just very good guess. No, <laughs> Richie does his research. He knows sometimes. <laughs> so it's like off a it lot. It is on my bio. That's where you go. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I was. I was. Uh, I was. So for me, it's earlier. I was. I mean, we've been looking at. I've been looking at like listening to your music and, okay, how how can I talk about you? But then naturally, I ask the typical, hey, so what's in the future? What's coming up? I get a little more deep in it. And I was like, great, you know what? I'm probably going to listen to the songs over and over and then try to find part of the lyrics where, like, okay, <laughs> Something let, that me speaks see, to you. let me see yeah. where we can get out of this. What, what spoke to you, Richard? What spoke to me? Man, a lot of the things, like for me is you, you um, so there's this one, like, makes a uh, rapper. I don't know if you've heard of Snow the Product. Mm-hmm. And... The way she she delivers, you know, rap is by saying "soy la pinche mexicana con tremendo flow," and she she embraces her culture and her like life through her songs. Like every time you hear a song of her, uh, she she diverts from the you know the parting all the time, and she's actually speaking more about like, hey, you know, like I'm the one that comes here. Sometimes she's giving some some you know some shit to other people. But she's always, you know, bringing this part of the culture, this part of herself being a like a Mexican woman, you know, rapper especially, and how she, you know, they wanted her to be this certain way, and she's like, no, I'm gonna do it how I want to do it, how some of the product wants to do it, how Claudia wants to do it. Um, so and now now going going back to to you is your music it kind of in in a way like say in, in the pop in the you know in a different genre it it very similar aspect because. You talk about so much of, of what you're saying, you know, you just come here um, appreciating both countries, appreciating being an immigrant, appreciating the power of voting, the power of, 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 of you know, like this, this uh, which I'm going to touch in a little bit, which is like the power of even like, say, this country helping you bring the best out of yourself. And, and, and I feel like a lot of the times, um, like I, I know there's something like, say, like you, you don't really think much about like love or, or you know, you probably have in, in a couple of songs, but overall it's more about you. Like you're the one speaking those lyrics. And that's for me, that's what I got. And it's like, man, that's, that's pretty good because it's very authentic. It's not like industry or industry driven or industry oriented by somebody telling you what to sing. You're doing your own thing. And as you were saying earlier, you started writing your stuff. Um, the process of writing, uh, when did you first decide, okay, I'm going to write like, this chunk of a song and then from that build on oh gosh well i mean probably the first song i ever wrote was like a really tacky <laughs> love song in 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 college but nothing really that i took seriously right. um because i was never planning to record that ever okay. um it was just for me <laughs> um but really uh, when i got down to it was when again i, I had graduated college and i was just looking towards you know what's next musically and, um, and, you know, there really wasn't like a, you know, let me sit down and do this right now. I mean, it, it does take a lot of that. It takes mm-hmm. applying yourself and discipline and thinking about, well, 
you know, you you are challenging yourself and, and you're kind of working towards that goal. But um, I would say for me, the writing process, it's honestly, it doesn't even come naturally. It takes work. And, and I just, you know, have, uh, you know, like my team, which in this case, my team is like, it's Gavin, my adoptive dad slash music manager. Shout out Gavin. Shout out Gavin. Shout out Gavin. Always on my back about Bob Dylan. I mean, oh yeah, constantly. He know. seems to be like in every musician's like thread of just like where the yeah. root of wherever they grew to. Like it, somehow he comes up in so many combos. Yeah. Oh, he does. He's, he's every songwriter. He's every songwriter's go. inspiration. There you go. Um, and and of course he he is a genius and he he did great. But that was that was a harsh thing to do. Like this person who's just starting to write and then. Gavin is like, okay, now here's Bob Dylan. No, <laughs> you're just like Bob Dylan, but you're a Mexican woman. So what are you going to say? Go. And I, obviously, I mean, it was a great challenge. It really yeah. was. But, yeah. um, you know, just kind of like you said, uh, writing from personal experience, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the only way that I've been able to do it because I don't know any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it, it does take some discipline for sure. And also like... I mean, discipline of bringing something out of inside into right. a writing part. That's I can barely, you know, write a sentence sometimes when I'm doing an outline. <laughs> it takes me an hour because I'm like read, read, you know, yeah. rephrasing everything I say. Yeah, well, and honestly, um, you know, for for music, um, you know, going back to Bob Dylan in a more serious way, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of having something to say mm-hmm. in 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 you know the you're writing your own music, so. Um, if you have the opportunity to say something, then say it. And I think that's really been my approach. And again, you know, being an independent artist, I don't have anybody telling me that it's wrong to do X or Y. So I'll just do whatever, you know, my heart dictates at the time and then roll with it. Um, And and yeah, again, you know, um, I'm very, very humble that you've listened to to the stuff that is out there, but I can't wait for you to hear the new stuff. It's it's great. It's it's really uh, again not that because I wrote it, but because I think it's the most authentic stuff that I've done, and and again just the most uh, well put together um, you know piece of piece of uh, work or really just a compilation of of different um, you know songs that took a long time to write i mean this right. this whole project you know 12 songs probably took years to get to it yeah yeah I'm, I'm so interested in that aspect where we as consumers of music and of and of art you know we see it we react we like it we love it and then we move on but the process behind that piece is immeasurable to to us as an audience so if you can speak to us a little bit about that creative process and what it was like to in what you're doing now yeah. Um, again, you know, it. the writing part does not come naturally to me, but I think something that helps me a lot is just, um, I mean, for starters, a lot of my, my songs, at least in this new record, I started just, again, with my instrument, whether it was a little vihuela or a guitar or on a keyboard, um, and I would just kind of come up with, you know, chord progression that... I could sing in and something that was feeling right and, and, you know, something probably very familiar because again, you know, that's what you go to, you go to the stuff that, you know, and, and a lot of it just ended up being, you know, um, 
you know, a wapango because I love wapangos <laughs> with all my heart. And so I would just kind of start messing around with different different styles of music that I'm familiar with. And, and again, just putting my own thoughts and my own words to it. Okay. Um, and, and then, you know, once I brought the songs into the studio, then they took a life of their own just, you know, with, uh, the production, you know, aspect of it. And, and, um, you know, I, I worked with a really great, uh, team of producers and musicians who are just outstanding and, and they really helped me bring the, the concept together of, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mariachi and the pop all in one, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really been the, I guess, the journey for me, um, at least with this this last one, this last record. Right on. It's awesome. I don't think I'm super excited to hear it. I know you you say don't have a date yet, but <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here at the edge I'll of my seat. I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank All you. right. <laughs> um, so be, one thing I want to I want to go back is uh, I want to just go into the you know a little bit of between earlier we were talking about like say people when you lived in like in. In Monterrey, you will come every so often to the you know the the border. Um, there's a lot of similarities between Texas and and Nuevo León. Mm -hmm. um, La carne asada over here is barbecue. They both embrace it. Uh, now, now, what are, what are some differences you felt you found as you moved uh, to Texas? Hmm. I mean, well, for starters, obviously the language, <laughs> the language was the, the biggest thing. But you know. My again, my experience was always so, um, so like, just always surrounded by family. That was always kind of my my uh, my upbringing. And then I, fortunately, I did have you know my dad's side of the family uh, on this side of the border. So I still got to interact with with family a bunch. But again, I I don't know necessarily if it's um, Texas versus. Nuevo León thing, uh, maybe just in general, you know, the culture is different in the sense of, um, you know, the Mexican way of life tends to be very focused on happiness. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are so many things wrong with our country and our government back home and just so many things to be sad about. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is it has been the Mexican identity to decide that we're not going to focus on that. And instead we're just going to party and we're going to do a carne asada and embrace the, the good things in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, having big families and, and, you know, close friendships and compadres and comadres and you call tío and tío. everybody is your tío and everybody's mm -hmm. your tía. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that I would say that is for me, probably one of the the experiences, and I mean, I've you know now that I'm in now that I'm an American and I'm living the American life, um, I, I do see myself as like, well, it's constantly, it's a lot more about work. It's fast paced. It's yeah. fast it's paced. Pressure, pressures and pressures and pressures. Yeah, and, and you yeah. work hard towards yeah. you know your career and achieving your uh, professional objectives. Right. Um, Again, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I think a good balance of the two would be the perfect merge. Yeah. That's interesting I say that because I've seen a lot of cases where um, families are much more united uh, in, in, in Mexico. My family, too, like in my, my dad's side is from San Luis Potosí. And um, <clears throat> I'm in a WhatsApp group with all my primos back, at, back in San Luis. And I, I say WhatsApp? And they're always planning like, Oh, it's someone's birthday. Let's get together. Oh, 
¿Quién va a traer las chelas? ¿Quién va a traer la carne? Right? It's FOMO. not formal at all. It, it, it happens like a, a party happens every week. And I'm, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so sad I'm not there. And I have a lot of tíos here and some primos. Um, but something happens that, from in my case, you get to you get to this side, Houston, Dallas, wherever you are, the, the, the family starts to kind of isolate themselves a little bit more and you just end up meeting at Christmas or like some very important holiday or some or tragedy or whatever. Um, but it, it, it's kind of sad to hear. But also my dad um, having that, um, he's he's now officially lived in the U.S. more than Mexico. So he kind of reflects on that. And um, he just talks about how like here it's just like worries and worries and very work driven and pressure. But at the same time, he was able to, him and my mom were able to give us, my me and my siblings, uh, the life that we have and opportunities that we have. And they grew their business. So, man, that balance, like where is it, right? Yeah. So. That's why, like, I'm a first gen. I kind of got to experience both, and, and you guys are experience, have experienced both as well. Like, we see that, and we, you know, starting out our careers and or in our careers and in our lives, like, how are we going to, to balance those things that we, not, we have a little bit more perspective, I feel. It's kind of a privilege, right? Oh, absolutely. Right, right. Now, it's funny. Um, and I was actually thinking earlier as you were talking about, like, man, what is one thing that, you know, that we have that's, and you're like, the party part. And I was like, <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say party part. <laughs> but, but not so much the party part. It's just the joy of, you know, it's, hanging it's, out it's and getting joy, together. It's the joy of connection. Yeah. Social, <laughs> true, honest, good social interaction. Right. I think is easier to get in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like you said, you have like the, the typical WhatsApp groups with like your friends yeah. or, your, or your cousins, yeah. you know, your primos and whoever. And they're always talking about gathering and having having parties and things. And I'm like, man, like, I mean, you guys party a lot. But that's, like, <laughs> that's a good that's thing. That's a good thing, yeah. You know, people like they do have their, their you know, day jobs and their, their things that they do during the week. And then what people look forward to is their weekend well spent in social settings for sure right um now let's go a little bit into the um the part of your music um you already pretty much talked about like what sparked your interest and in what genres which is pop and mariachi um so you're an independent artist so they already you know there's no record label behind but you will still work with a team of producers and musicians uh let's let's get into the like your two albums uh one is Fool's Paradise, mm -hmm. and can you just give us, give you know, give a little summary of, of you know, the, the album and, you know, the meaning behind the songs and, and, and how was that first album? Give us, give, let us, let, you know, the audience a little know a little more about it, and then we'll go into the second one, which is the Dual Passport. Yeah, well, it's funny because even the name, I feel like, reflects where I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fool's Paradise, I mean, I feel like I was just, I was cruising. I was figuring out what on earth I was doing. This is the first time I'm writing my own songs and mm -hmm. and and just putting myself in the in the situation where I'm actually gonna um, release this music and and put it in front of people. But um, I would say, you know, just again speaking from personal experience and where I, where I was, and I think that um, you know the first the first EP, it's it's so naive in a way, but um, again, a really great start to my journey. You know. Mm -hmm writing and in composing and and really just applying myself in into this you know art form that was um you know almost completely new to me and um 
And then, you know, musically, you know, I, I got uh, the opportunity to work with a um, fantastic producer. His name's Michael Ramos. And Michael, I met through the UT Mariachi. And um, we got to go into a studio to record a couple of songs, mariachi songs with the UT Mariachi Ensemble. And, um, you know, from there, I, I connected with them and, and I, you know, I went back to a studio and, and recorded my stuff there. Um, you know, then... Uh, Fast forward to Dual Passport, which was a couple of years ago. Um, and and so with that, I, I feel like, you know, it was, um, again, speaking for personal experience, but at the same time, just digging a little bit deeper into just, you know, the Mexicanidad and the, like, the topic of, you know, embracing your identity, embracing who you are. And again, in my case, there's just no denying, you know, uh, my my whole life experience has be, has been shaped by, you know, two countries, two languages, two cultures, and and I really wanted to touch on that um, with a dual passport and, and okay. that EP, and um, you know, again the the songs very you know, um, uh, I, there's a love song in there too, um, but of course you know. Uh, in, in this journey called life, you experience a little bit of everything and emotions, uh, whether it is love in English or love in Spanish, it's still love. Um, uh, but te amo is a lot more powerful than I love you in my in my personal experience. It's a little deeper. <laughs> it goes deeper every time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, again, the, the journey, you know, uh, whenever I look back at, you know, the last, I don't know, eight, nine, I don't know how many years I've been doing this, um, it has all kind of led to, you know, it's always, you don't know it until, you know, years have gone by, but you understand that one thing leads you to the next mm -hmm. and it, it puts you in, um, in this new situation where you might be more confident and you're just growing and learning. And, and again, without my experience with recording Fool's Paradise and Dual Password, I wouldn't have landed um, this new record that um, will will be out this fall. So, okay, yeah. okay. the fall. She said fall. There you go. <laughs> be it could be fall. the beginning of the fall or late the fall, but it'll be the fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another thing is, uh, we're talking about like a couple of the songs. Uh, Citizen of the world is pretty much never forgetting where you came from and where you're from. Uh, you you seem very connected with that aspect because. You come, you know, from Monterrey, from Mexico, and you come from, you went from from singing uh, in el coro de la primaria, mm -hmm. a cantar en el en el Q2, uh, <laughs> and you used to embrace that. That that's can you, can you give us a little more of you know that aspect of how would you you know encourage someone to to feel like hey never forget where you came from no matter what. Well, again, I think that's a privilege mm -hmm. um, that I that I get to you know in this day and era I get to be very vocal about that and you know I don't there's no repercussions to me embracing the duality in my identity mm -hmm. whereas I know that for older generations that that was the case I mean mm -hmm. a lot of people mm -hmm. who um, had you know families from different countries and spoke different languages um, it was not acceptable you had to speak English and if you spoke another language it, you were you were just not cool and and again I think um, a lot of people, I mean, you got to commend the people who go back to, you know, those generations and they still went through it and, and they embraced, embraced, you know, both of their, um, nationalities or, you know, their identities. But, but for me again, you know, I think that's a privilege that I got to enjoy and that 
I've never, you know, until you sit down and think about how, you know, how easy it is to do it these days compared to what other people um, in previous generations had, had gone through. It's, you know, it's something that, again, it it's not to be taken lightly mm-hmm. because it has taken years of, you know, um, just social justice and yeah. civil rights movements and, and, you know, in so many different areas um, of, of the social spectrum, but it has taken people and generations fighting for being able to be accepted for mm-hmm. who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background um, or your history. And, and, you know, it's, it's something that we shouldn't take lightly and that we should take as a privilege, but at the same time, honor it and, and live it and, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Somehow keep it there. Keep the memory alive. Uh, it might be different situation, but keep it alive. I think because like say our generation, we don't have to, like you were saying earlier, uh, Cesar Chavez, for example, he, he was fighting for the rights of the agricultores we don't have to do that because he already did that. So just honoring someone like him. Uh, one cool thing is there's a street under his name, and a lot of businesses there seem to to honor his name through that. And and but I hope that it goes beyond just the street name, but also goes beyond make sure the restaurants that are there are actually somehow honoring the life of a person that's growing the food that is serving the meal to the person that's going to eat there and consuming their product. Yeah. Um, so and then the other one is All American Girl. Uh, that that gives a little more of a that you say how has for me is how has the U.S. helped you be the best version of yourself? Well, again, you know, just there's been so many, and and I know that everybody talks about the American dream. Not everybody gets to live that. It it could be a myth for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it's not an easy thing to achieve. It doesn't just come come your way but you know in in my case I just again arriving in this country I had um, my mindset that if I was gonna leave my mom and my siblings you know back home in my family in my country and my friends and whatever life I had built you know up until age 16 if I was gonna leave all of that behind then I might as well make it worth it so um, again you know the that I think that mindset of working hard um in in embracing the opportunities that are no doubt you know a part of the american experience and again just going back to you know school and mm-hmm. and how there are um resources available for extracurricular activities or you know scholarships which is how i got to go to college here you know just uh, through financial aid and um and the kind of support that um you know, you, you do have to seek it out. It may not always be right in front of you, mm-hmm. but there there was a, a system of support system that was behind me, you know, counselors in high school who kind of pursued, you know, or really um, uh, would, would encourage that, hey, you know, there are opportunities. Why are you talking about going back to Mexico? Like, why would you pass on this, you know, big, you know, uh, financial aid opportunity um, if you get the, the opportunity to just, uh, you know, go to a big university or again, you know, not to say that we don't have good schools in Mexico, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it was the opportunities were presenting themselves. And I think um, that I would say is the biggest part of 
the American way of life mm-hmm. is, especially as a as an immigrant, you learn to see the difference. Again, um, not that when you are born and raised here, you don't see it because you you know you can read about it and see it, and it, we're so connected. I mean, you you have it all over social media and with a click on your news app on your phone right. you know what's going on in the world um and you know not everything is you know pink and in flowers in america there are a lot right. of uh situations and in, in in things that we are living through especially nowadays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um where we're going through hardships and mm-hmm. and so much social chaos right. but you know it is undeniable that there are opportunities here that we don't always have in our home countries. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even remember what your question was, but no, it goes, uh, goes down <laughs> to the line. Like you're, you're going to, you know, I can see like you're talking about like the resources and, and a lot of the times we don't take advantage of it. Like, especially um, as you were saying, you're born here. You haven't experienced what the people that born in a different country, the, the different things I mean, not, not you were born here, but like someone was born here, how um, they hear about all of the situations people have gone through that, you know, that come to America. And then, um, but it's like, say, even us that we come from, from Mexico to, to America, how we have to still go find those opportunities because they're, they're out there. And a lot of the times, even though there's chaos and there's all this, you know, stuff that we have, there's social injustice. Um, I mean, we're also just looking at the abortion overturned by the supreme court and everything else there's still some good in in some parts of the society where we have to take advantage of because the only way for us to probably create a change or do something is by taking advantage of those opportunities and getting to the positions that we can to be able to change things and another thing you're saying just a you know like the power of voter and citizenship it's it's a very powerful thing i mean voting is powerful like we're seeing it more and more how powerful that is because it's starting to affect more individual people, like instead of just the masses, is starting to to take on tolls emotionally, physically, and mentally. Yeah. So, and if anybody understands the importance in the again the honor that it is to be able to vote, I think it would be an immigrant who became a U.S. citizen because you know the immigration process it looks different, you mm-hmm. know, depending on uh, individual case scenarios, but. Um, there, there, it is a long process, and and so, whenever I I was uh, writing uh, the the music and the the songs for Dual Passport, I actually had recently become a U.S. citizen, and so, even though I had been here for years prior, I had um, a green card. So again, and not everybody understands the immigration system or what a green card is, but it's basically um, permanent residency status, which is the first step to becoming a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. So you have to spend five years as a permanent resident beca- before you can apply for your citizenship. And so, um, you know, I, I I got to do that, and, and I, I got to vote. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's just in a country where you, you know, you know that democracy works, to the best of its ability. I mean, it's right. not a perfect democracy, but where you 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 can see that you know the history um, backs it up. You have you have 
a history to show that democracy is is real and to be a part of that and be able to participate in that. You know, not to say that we don't have democracies in Latin America, mm -hmm. specifically talking about Mexico, but we know that there's so much corruption. And again, there's corruption everywhere, including in the United States, no doubt mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. But just the power of the vote in America, it has so much weight. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you learn to see that um, as you acknowledged experiences abroad that's so wonderful sure. to hear you say that and kind of speak your speak your perspective in that aspect um just to touch on voting my my, my dad is a naturalized uh, citizen mm -hmm. and there's no person that encourages me more to vote than my dad because he's always the first one to go as soon as you can vote and he shows me the sticker he's like hey where you at have, yeah, you, voted? <laughs> have you voted i'm like damn dad you're on top of your shit <laughs> But nah, <laughs> I respect them a lot. And another thing you touched on is kind of how imperfect uh, it our, our system is here in the U.S., even though we have all this opportunity. And to touch on that, there have been times here, especially um, through a lot of social chaos that you mentioned, uh, whether it be racial or, or gender equality, anything that's been happening over the past uh, 10, 5 years in the U.S., where I've voiced it uh, either through social media or through some, th some type of um, family setting. And my family from Mexico, particularly an uncle, uh, David, who's uh, very outspoken, and he's lived in Mexico his whole life, right on the frontera in uh, Miguel Alemán. You know, they see a totally different perspective, like totally different environment when it comes to safety. Mm -hmm. He would get at me and say, what are you complaining about? <laughs> you know, like, I don't get why you're protesting or doing anything like this or... It's interesting, you know, having yeah. that perspective where you feel like, man, this is just not right. And then someone telling you, like, oh, there's a lot of things to take for granted. Well, but all of that complaining <laughs> yeah. and standing up for what's right is right. what has exactly, made, you know, ha what has led um, America on its path. Right. And, and again, just the fact that that people, when they come together, are able to make that change exactly. um, is, is so powerful. And just being able to be a part of that is, is a great opportunity. For sure. That's good. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. I think uh, the day, I'm a very outspoken person when it comes to the politics. Oh, and yeah. I take my, t I do have my, you know, like, go Beto and let's take Craig Abbott down and <laughs> let's do what we can in the right way. Always the legal way. But, um, sorry. Hmm. Now, we want to talk about the challenges. Um, th as a woman, you face challenges in the music industry. Um, give me one second while I look at it. So what has been, like, say, for example, for you, especially as you're trying to merge the culture and the musical part, you're trying to put those together in music. How, how has that been challenging for you as a woman? Well, I would say that one of the things that you notice when you're you know, in the in the industry is that, especially in the studio setting, um, you realize that you're going to be working with a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with working with guys. But but that that is the industry and that has been the industry for a long time. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it is it is changing um, slowly, but it, it is changing. I know that there are a lot more um, uh, women songwriters and producers, especially um when it comes down to being in the studio and, and getting to work with other women, um, that is an opportunity that is not there very often. And you do get to um, work with, with your peers, you know, whether they're women or men, it, 
it really doesn't matter when it comes to you know being a good musician and and, and being good at your craft mm-hmm. but but it does make a difference and it, it does make you think how that has shaped the the outcomes of the music industry and, and what it does and you know the um especially you know the sexualization of women and in mm-hmm. in you know now there's been kind of that turnaround where women are like embracing that and and, and using it in in you know in a positive way mm-hmm. but of course again it has been a journey for me personally you know i've always felt very supported um in in the local music scene and and um i i really do think that embracing that um womanhood and and just coming from my own perspective as as a woman is is a it's a weapon i mean it's it's a it's a tool and and again because no matter who you are where you come from i think it's important to speak up and 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 you know share your perspective so i would say that you know again um Not that I haven't faced challenges in that in that way, but you know, whenever I would be in the studio, and I'd be working with fantastic people. Uh, they were all men, so you know, I did bring in some some of the uh, musicians that played in the record. Um, you know, the the guitar player uh, Sofia, she is uh, an amazing guitar player. Um, she's a student at Texas State, and you see this, you know sweet little girl and you wouldn't believe that she plays the heck out of that guitarron um and it's so cool (laughs) to get to see that so um yeah again you know just i just feel that it you see it across the board Mm -hmm. across the industry um but hey i'm i'm one of the the people or the women who believes that i'm here to be a part of that change and and why not do the writing and why not being a part of the production team and why not being involved in the whole process That's great. Uh, that's great to hear you say that and kind of give us a little bit of perspective to some challenges you face as a Latina in the industry, um, in an industry that for the most for a lot is, cha- is slowly changing, but is male dominated mm-hmm. for, for one part. I come from, uh, I'm working in a construction background and I, I see a lot more women coming through um, our company and, and our um, colleagues and associates that we work with. And it's exciting to see, but I would like to hear uh, from you what is something that we we can do as as men to 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 help um, you know kind of lift lift or help women in, in situations where maybe they're the only one in the room or they're they're new to this industry. Like, what are ways that we can be better as as men? I mean, if it's a male dominated industry, I would say always be mindful that you know you. I mean, obviously, be yourself, but at the same time, like always watch your comments especially if you're used to being in a in an environment where you're always surrounded by guys and mm-hmm. you're always talking like that manly dude or whatever again, los albures. It, 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 los albures. <laughs> i mean again not that there's anything wrong with it like women can be on board with that too and 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 kick your butt when it comes to oh, yeah. you know uh <laughs> you know just being being the the smarter person in the room um but but just again i mean i would say just being mindful of what you say and and at the same time just showing your support and and if you're if you're seeing that this is the only woman in the room then even embracing that and saying hey we're so glad to have you on the team mm-hmm. um you know you make our team special for bringing your own perspective into into the the team and the situation um and and you know if you're in a position of power then 
then open up those opportunities for diversity and and for you know just new perspectives and and again just kind of trying to overcome the the biases that are that are that surround different industries yeah, that's great it's great to hear you say that sometimes i mean i i consider myself a conscious person but my wife she's she's puerto rican and she what i love about her the most is that she calls me out on like a lot of shit mm-hmm. like she just tells me straight up like what, what do you mean by that what, what was that comment about so um yeah she definitely keeps me in check there with uh some things that are just so ingrained that maybe you say like casually but like you said being conscious of people that are there and their perspective and um and, and working with that is important so thank you thank you for saying that yeah, sure. <laughs> Anytime. yeah i know i know uh now i think we 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 try to always uh be a bit more conscious of, of especially when we're around women. Like within us guys are over here, you know, talking shit to each other. But we do try to be respectful. Uh and we're always for for us it's always uh embracing just like women in general. Right. I mean because we're born because of a woman, you know, that gave birth to us. Sure. So that's the first step that for for me it's kinda like I always embrace that. Like I I always, you know, admire what my wife does and what she's done, you know, um in every aspect of, of you know like her life uh then also like my mom and my sister same thing so yeah. f- for me having being able to have a uh, i would say a good relationship with my mom and my sister kind of has helped me have a good relationship with my wife and knowing that at least i can i can conversate so whenever i go out there you know and and women that are not part of my family or part of my circle it's it's, it's a lot easier and i don't have to, you know I, and i know what to watch and what not to say right uh, more than anything <laughs> yeah um we're excited. We're, we're actually excited to hear about uh, your, your future projects. I know we've heard a little bit about the, the album, kind of in the, in the oven. Yeah. Um, what what uh, what shows and events do you have coming up? So okay, so um, I am playing uh, Mariachi USA okay. uh, this fall. So it'll Mariachi be, USA. Yeah. So it's uh, the uh, the original Mariachi USA happens every year at mm-hmm. the Hollywood Bowl, and it's a massive event. We just uh, I got the opportunity to go out there and, and watch the show uh, last month, mm-hmm. and it, it's a spectacular show. So mm-hmm. they're actually bringing that into Austin to um, the Moody Amphitheater, and I'm going to be wow. singing there um, on September the 17th, which is a Saturday. So September 17th, mark your calendars. El Grito de la Independencia. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's that weekend. It's that weekend. So it's you. a weekend full of performances, and you're you're playing a show? Or, or it's it's just one night. One night. But oh, it's one night. But it's, it's the weekend of uh, El Grito oh, en el, la gotcha, Independencia gotcha. de México. So there's there's it's going to go down. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a great vibe, a great environment. And um, so that's, that's really one of the big things that I have coming up. And then... Um, also, I am very, very privileged to be playing Austin City Limits Festival wow. this year. So, ACL. ACL, yeah. Um, wow. You're doing Weekend 2? Weekend 2, okay. yes. Yeah, I'm not supposed to announce which day I'm playing yet, but okay. I'm playing Weekend 2. So. From what I heard, it was like Tuesday. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. That's that's awesome. You must be so excited. Like that, that That's an incredible incredible opportunities, and, and we mm-hmm. wish to support you and, and be there your performances thank you thank you yeah again it's just always such an honor to get to represent and i think that's one of the best ways that we can you know um being better and representing Mm -hmm. our communities and in in showing that we are all equally worthy Mm -hmm. of 
of the opportunities that are around. I think that's the best way to show, you know, how far you can go. And, and again, just be a role model as much as you can for, you know, newer generations. And, and so it's going to be such a great honor for me to be on that stage. But at the same time, just looking forward to having a, a lot of fun and, and um, bringing out the, the new material that will be Ooh, out there. That. Yeah, that's exciting. I know you're going to crush it. Thank you. you're going to crush it. And then I like how you said that, you know, being a role model to future generations, because actually one of the reflection of the day questions was, how was something, what is something that you consider you can do to reconcile differences in society? And, you know, there's a currently divided and then you're bringing out all these ideas and I'm like, man, you're actually answering this whole, that question and then this whole episode. <laughs> like, I feel like that's how you're wrapping up that question. Uh, but that's, that's good. Now I'm, I'm glad. Um, is there anything like we can do, you know, in our platform to help you, uh, anything you want us to, to let out or anything that you want us to share to, to the people that would listen to us? I mean, honestly, just to support local music, I think is is number one, and and you know, just uh, being being one of the the few Latinos because there's you know there's not a lot of Latino representation at ACL this year, yeah. but uh, you know, being the shame, being, it's a it's a huge shame. yeah, being one of of the Latinos and then being you know local, I think that's such a such a cool thing and it's just such a big deal for me. So um, yeah, just support your local your local music, and again, that's what makes Austin what it is and that's what's attracted so many new people um and and it's what makes us special so just keeping that alive yeah. and and again I know that y'all already do that you know just by having me here <laughs> today so uh and and then of course you know even through through Austin FC and in the experience you know with La Murga and and you know it's all bringing bringing so much culture and in in like you said lifestyle and, and embracing that aspect of Austin, but specifically being Latino or Latina in Austin. Absolutely. I think the one thing that, uh, like, say, Koke spoke about uh, in a couple of episodes ago, he was saying how there's not a Mexican player in the team yet. But he mentioned, you I mean, just the fact that we have some kind of representation and aspects that has to do with the culture, it somehow feels a lot more powerful than having just a player i mean not just a player but having a player with you know like a mexican heritage or mexican like being born in mexico so that that's good um and i and i feel you know that that hopefully you know through through what you're doing there's more opportunities that are open for you uh hopefully one day you get to you know like whenever they play in mexico city they bring you down and travel and make you try like i make you travel like have you travel and sing the spanish and english national anthem in a NFL stadium in the Azteca with 100,000 people there. That would be pretty cool. Hey, the World Cup is coming, so you better watch out. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> she said, let me go beyond that. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm ready for it, guys. I'm yeah. ready. You're I know you are. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. And uh, do, do you have any uh, question for us uh, before we wrap up? Man, you put me in the spot like that. I know. Um, I ran out of a reflection of ideas. So, you know what? Let me see if I can. I, I don't think I've, we've never asked that question to anyone. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely put Leslie on the spot, right? But no. you don't have to answer it. No, no. I mean, I guess just getting to have these conversations with people. Um, you know, I know you've spoken to, like, local politicians, you know, all the way to, like, you discuss sports and you speak about music and culture. Like, uh, what have been some of your takeaways from just getting to have these discussions with different local culture representatives. Yeah, I think some of my biggest takeaways of a, lo of a lot of the guests, including yourself, has just been 
um, fully throwing yourself at, at, at a passion and a vocation and making it more through just losing that fear and um, care of like what people think and what how people react and just consistently working at something and putting in that time and effort mm-hmm. has been something that is kind of a clear uh, string through everyone that we've brought onto this podcast, but also in the way that, that uh, people do it so authentically. And that's what resonates. And that's what people recognize when it's not something that is, um, uh, you know, forced or, or like a persona. It's something that truly comes from the heart. And you spoke about it a little bit about when you did both of the anthems, that your experiences is, is something that you could tap into and really bring something beautiful through your voice, through your heart, to a crowd and that immediately gets recognized by by the audience as when they come up to you and say hey that was amazing and i know you've been getting some recognition with the city as well i mean uh mayor adler gave you a, a, a official day was it march right? 1st 2018 right yes march you know 1st, that's 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 incredible right? Leslie <laughs> hey what are we gonna do to celebrate Leslie Naga day man we're gonna have to you know we have, have to, to go sing. to Hop Squad We're and then sing Danza Wapango. Uh, <laughs> oh, even better. You're going to have to learn both uh, the Star Spangled Banner and the Himno Nacional Mexicano. All and you're going to have to perform. <laughs> yeah, all four stanzas. Okay. Um, and I, I can, for sure, this the Himno Nacional Mexicano, I can go throw down the English one. I, I chop the word somehow sometimes because I forget. Yeah. I got you. I, got you. But I need to, I need to, I need to uh, get better at that. So there's some that I forget. I'm like, God, I used to say, like, <laughs> you always hear that like just you know mumble the, the rhythm and then you catch on to look okay this is the part i remember <laughs> but yeah i think like for for me like regarding here um it's about it's it's a we want to open up a platform we want to hear people's stories we want to get to know the person behind the you know not the persona but just that person behind everything they do and especially from the beginning where they're at now and what has been the struggles they faced and what they overcame um and a lot of that is just getting to you know getting to know people and also the people that know the people it's it's there's a lot of the times that we have a guest here that they know people like the other guest that was here in the past or sometimes i didn't even know they exist like they knew each other like oh yeah that's my buddy and that's my friend the so network, the network and networking of, yeah, uh, for sure. so that's pretty cool and and i mean that's as i've i'm part of la murga that's also helped me establish a lot more connections with with musicians with you know local artists um so and and i don't like for me i've never wanted to take anything of this as a popularity thing but it's more like a, a networking thing like I, I want as many connections as i can you know to be able to do it uh so that that's I, that's probably why I, I feel like i wanted to create this is just to connect and hear stories and drink beer <laughs> no and, and, and i think for sure that that's uh, we see a lot of that on the surface, but also the mission I think behind this this podcast is really just supporting our communities, mm-hmm. supporting our our fellow Latinos or people of color doing something different, doing something creative. Um, is something that I think um, sparks joy and and love in, in in a lot of us, and especially us here at Otra Por Favor. So, um, thank you, thank you for coming. Thank your you story is amazing. Me. Can you please tell our audience uh, where they could find your music? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, uh, you can go to my website, leslireynaga.com, or you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music. My stuff is out there. Um, YouTube, just, you know, just search my name. Just Google. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs>
Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Leslie, for, for agreeing to come with us and, you know, spend some time. And uh, also uh, check out her music, like she said. Uh, it's out there. Uh, you'll enjoy it, enjoy it as much as I did, and I'm pretty sure um, there's there's going to be, you know, some songs that are going to uplift you and, and make you, you know, feel good about being here. Um, and also your, you know, your background and your heritage, you know, you're going to find that appreciation as well. Um, without any further ado, uh, this has been another episode of Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. Uh, please follow us on Instagram, YouTube, uh, anywhere at Otra Por Favor. And that's with the X in between the favor and otra. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. And I, nos vemos. Se portan bien. Y adios.